Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy a good conversation about love, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over, and probably also listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. I was incredibly honored to have a new friend that I made on the internet on my show today. Her Instagram handle is Casey Bird Girl, but just for short, we'll call her Bird Girl. Bird Girl participates in rope play. She shared some of her experiences at a recent rope play conference. Uh, happened before the shutdown, of course. And she talked about having to really show up and be present and just be her true self. She had to work through some imposter syndrome. She shared how she finds that rope can be very meditative and actually mentioned using mindfulness techniques during her sessions, during her what we call scenes. We also tried to debunk some myths, especially when it comes to sexuality and BDSM. I think you will be just as fascinated by this conversation as I was because I don't really participate in rope play. So this was all new to me couple of quick things I want to mention. First off, I have a new service offering. I am now going to be offering not just hour-long sessions, but also 30-minute sessions. So if because of the shutdown, you're looking for some support, some help with your sex life, send me a message, Kristen at OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com. It's also National Masturbation Month. I'm sure my next episode is going to be about masturbation, but if you can't wait until then, you can actually go back to my second episode, which was almost a year ago. That's right. I have been doing Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching for a year now. I want to give a special thanks to my marketing guy, Stephen Fuller with Fuller Creative, uh, Ryan Westa with Neander Talk Podcast. I couldn't have gotten this started without them. These guys really helped push me and help me see that I had something to offer, help me overcome some of that imposter syndrome, and just help build my confidence to be willing to put my voice out there into the world. Thank you, gentlemen. And I also wanna thank all of my guests, my friends, my new friends. You all have been fantastic. You've not only been guests, you've found me other guests, you've shared my shows, you've been incredibly supportive, and I just could not ask more from you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being a guest on my show and supporting my work. If you'd like more of my content besides the podcast, I would love it if you would follow me on social media. I'm on everything, so you can find me. Um, But I'd also invite you to please join my email newsletter, especially my not safe for work newsletter, The Dirty Bird. A couple ways you can find that on Facebook, go to my page, Open the Doors Coaching, and in the left column, there is a... uh, item you can click that says not safe for work. You can sign up for the email list there. You can also on Instagram, click on the link in my bio and you'll find the sign up there for the Dirty Bird newsletter. All right, enough's enough. Thanks so much. I appreciate you all listening. Please remember to subscribe, rate, share this show. I love all my listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This year doing this show has been amazing. Enjoy episode 67, Releasing Through Roleplay with Bird Girl. 
I often put the call out for people to just share their stories and join me on my show. On occasion, I catch a really great potential guest. And I think after she and I've kind of talked here on the pre-show, you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, I am joined by Bird Girl. Welcome to the show. Hello. So, of course, going by a pseudonym here because we're going to talk about... Um, Something that can often be perceived as a really intense form of kink, but those who are in the community know it is just such an incredible release. And um, yeah, so we're going to talk about rope play today. Yes. I'm so glad to have you here. Tell me just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I live here in Kansas City. I've been around the kink BDSM community for about five years now. Um, kind of jumped in feet first and um, I've really learned to enjoy different aspects of it, especially rope. Very cool. So you didn't start off with rope, it sounds like. I didn't. Um, So I am, I'm plus size. I'm fat, you know, I'm not afraid of that word. And a lot of rope you see done is, is not with fat bodies, not with bigger bodies. Um, So Mm -hmm. when I first came around, I, I thought it wasn't for me. I thought, you know, A, these ropes won't hold me. B, no one would want to tie me. And I really Mm -hmm. had to learn to embrace that that rope is for everybody and bondage can be for everybody. And I like that you're separating that out. Every body. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There is nothing out there that the size or shape of your body um, creates limits upon. You can do any kind of kink, BDSM, whatever you like. But I totally understand what you were talking about with some of your apprehension, because that's there's just so much messaging out there in a quote unquote vanilla society about what a plus size body can and cannot do or what it's capable of and what it's not. Um, so it's no wonder that that messaging kind of spilled over into that when you were starting to explore that lifestyle. Yeah, that's very true. And I'd say even within the past three years or so, there's gotten, you know, it's gotten better about that messaging as far as in the community. When you're on things like FetLife and Instagram, um, you see a lot more diversity in bodies, shapes, in abilities, um, in different races, men being tied, which is something you don't see a lot of um, or Mm -hmm. used to. So I think just having those social networks has also helped with that um, because you see more of that real world, not the just we hung someone up for a pretty picture sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I. I'm really glad to hear that you feel like you've seen a change in what you're seeing in social content as far as diversity in bodies and representation. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you have to search for it. That's part of why I'm active. That's part of why I wanted to do this podcast was to share that, you know, there's, there's different bodies, there's different people doing things. Um, and, and right here in Kansas city as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we'll talk about the Casey Kink community for sure. Uh, I'm I'm curious still back to sort of your origins. There you mentioned like around 2015 you started getting into kink, uh, and so that was because you had a you said a friends with benefits is what you told me before the show. So when you have someone you trust, it is a lot easier to kind of get into those things. But I'm still curious, what was it that made you go like, huh? You know, let me let me explore this. You know, I had been aware. Um, I've, I'm polyamorous. I've dated, you know, those those worlds tend to overlap a little bit. Um, and with this friend with benefits, you know, he introduced me to Fat Life, And I logged on and I saw it was just 
worlds opening, you know, in front of my eyes, things made sense in a way that they never had before, as far as what I liked and what I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you I, give me some examples of what really caught your eye? Yeah, made you go like, so oh yeah. I, I was a late bloomer. I didn't date in college or high school. Um, I, you know, I lost my virginity when I was 24. And, you know, so it was just really interesting to come in to a website where people are just so open about what they like, you know, different dynamics, the idea of bondage. You know, I've, I've never been, you know, a, um, a pursuer sexually. And that's very much Mm -hmm. dismissive, a bottom sort of idea that I just didn't understand in myself until I saw other people exhibiting that. Um, Mm -hmm. that was really Mm -hmm. interesting. Ah, so that's fantastic. Help you, uh, start exploring that submissive side. Yeah, I definitely, you know, if anyone's interested in exploring pet life is a great way to start. Um, Mm -hmm. there's, there's just so many things you don't realize you, you have a moment of, Oh, other people are into that. This isn't just some strange thing that I'm doing. Absolutely. It's a website I recommend to a lot of my clients that are maybe interested or sort of dipping their toes or uncertain about it, but want to explore because there is so much diversity on there. And yeah, the normalization of, wow, okay, if, if, if this is here, I'm, I'm not quite so strange or odd or, you know, there's plenty of other people. I like getting them to remove that from their, their language. Like I'm weird or I'm strange. You're totally normal. There's lots of people out there that like what you like too. Yeah. That community, that community aspect is a big reason of why I I still am around the Kansas City kink scene. You know, I, I got on set and I saw a name I recognized and I'm sending her a message and it turns out she runs a local dungeon and they were at the mm-hmm. time they were building out their brand new building. Um, this was, you know, five years ago. And I just took a risk and I showed up and I, I remember I sat in my car for a little minute and I just kept telling myself, these are just people. These are just mm-hmm. people. These are just people. And I walked up and I knocked on the door and a man in a nighty, um, I love him, uh, opened the door and just welcomed me in and, and, you know, they had me paint some walls that day. And, it, and from that moment, I just felt like a part of that family, a part of that community. And they've, they've been with me through highs and lows through different things. And I, you know, I'm very glad to have taken that risk that day. I want to talk about the the dungeon scene here in Casey. I just started my business in 2017 and I, knew just kind of the light stuff about BDSM. I had knowledge, but I didn't know what was going on in my community. Luckily, I had an old friend, um, Doc, who was kind enough to introduce me to the community and take me under his wing. We need to get places like this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because the kink community, it, it seems like so different, but it's just like any other social community. Um, so on FetLife, it was just very similar to what you're seeing on Twitter and Facebook right now. Just people not taking it serious. Some people thinking it's a hoax. Um, you get a little bit of everything. I actually, so I'm one of those people I can get very overwhelmed by social media. So I had to step back. I deactivated mm-hmm. my fet life for a minute. I'm actually still off it right now. Um, but mm-hmm. I just had to step back and, and really take care of myself for a little bit. Um, um, you know, I was going, uh, right when this started the first weekend in April, I was supposed to be in Los Angeles for a rope conference and, they canceled pretty early. And at the time, I think a lot of people thought it was crazy, but it also was in Los Angeles, which is just like epicenter of things. Um, right. 
not quite as bad as New York, but pretty bad. So um, when they made that decision, you know, it was hard. Um, I don't actively have a current rope top. Um, so I was looking forward to going to that conference and connecting with people and getting to do more rope. So it was really heartbreaking, you know, and a lot of people are experiencing that with a lot of things being canceled, but it's hard right now. I'm, you know, I am in a relationship, but he's not a nesting partner. He's not here with me. So I think I see, you know, and definitely in myself, but a lot of kinky people are struggling right now with how do we get that outlet? You know, how do we fulfill that part of ourselves when we're by ourselves, when we have to keep social distance? Yeah, that is a valid point. I mean, there's so many people out there who just because of the nature of whatever it is that they enjoy, it it usually requires a partner. Um, so right now as people are, are separated, they're either kind of starving, you know, for that, that play, that attention, that, um, that connection, you know, it's all the things, um, or they're, they're trying to get creative. Yeah. So the, the what have you kind of tried to do in the meantime? Yeah. The creative solutions have been really interesting, especially on Instagram. There's people who are doing play sessions via Skype or via Zoom. Um, Probably not Zoom because they've got some strict policies, but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to talk about that, that Zoom has actually been shutting down like online sex parties or, or couples playing. I've actually been telling people like, don't use Zoom for one thing it gets broken into, but, um, yeah, there's other applications that you could use yeah, for sex I, play right now. And Zoom's not one of them. I didn't know that about Zoom. I was doing a workshop yep. on Sunday called Fat Fuck, which was beautiful, um, it was this wonderful somatic experience of like connecting with your fat and your body. It was just lovely. But they, you know, were talking about maybe doing nudity and someone spoke up and said, Oh, we better not. Cause zoom is using bots to hunt out nipples yep. and genitals. And I was like, Whoa. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, the, the, the innovation that's come out has been really fascinating. You know, you've got bottoms like myself who maybe have never tied before and by video their tops are talking them through how to tie themselves and doing these really intimate things while separated and it's really lovely um you know you've got a lot of classes that are happening people who don't normally have time to teach are you know on instagram offering up lessons so it's been really great you know to see how the community can support each other so, you know, also like working to raise funds for sex workers and things like that. Just everybody mm -hmm. trying to find ways to still connect. I'm glad you brought that up because in the CARES legislation, it was specifically written in that you cannot apply for unemployment or any benefits if you were any form of a sex worker, whether you were a, a, an adult entertainer or a stripper, if you were a cam person, if you were, I mean, cam people can still work right now. But what I'm saying is they put those puritanical rules in there that if you make your money off of something they don't agree with because it has to do with sex, then you cannot qualify for unemployment benefits, even when probably most of those politicians frequent establishments, some of those sex workers work yeah. at. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> So I am happy to hear that that's going on. I have seen that myself as well. I've definitely seen some, you know, especially on Twitter, like, hey, if you're a sex worker who doesn't qualify for this, drop your handle or your, drop your Venmo in here. And, you know, we'll take care of you. I think I might have to hit it um, on Twitter now. I didn't know Twitter was like the end. Oh, yeah. I 
Twitter is one of the last bastions of uncensored internet. I love Twitter. I mean, there's still a little bit like people can report you certainly, but I mean, there's porn on Twitter. After Tumblr went no adult content, a lot of people switched over to just like, fuck it, I'm just doing Twitter. Hmm, I'll have to go. Um, yes. And I honestly, I get most of my news from Twitter because I follow so many news sources and international pages that it's better than having cable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can find all sorts of community and people out there. Yeah, Twitter is a cool platform. So in November, there was a big rope conference here in Kansas City um, called NARIC. So which is the one, ah. I, uh, yeah, uh, it's the one I was, I'm at. sad I missed that. Yeah, um, it was great. And it was really, it was a big moment for me. So I had been away from the community for a little bit. I, I come and go, I take breaks. Um, and I had been away for a little bit and I applied for NARX an application process. Um, and I got accepted and I had so much imposter syndrome. I was thought, I, I don't belong here. I don't look like these people. I don't do as much rope as, as all of these, um, you know, big name people. And during RX was when really people were talking about being on Instagram a lot. Um, but mm -hmm. it was just this amazing experience. I, you know, I remember the first circle, we were all gathered and talking and I, we were introducing ourselves and I said something along the lines of, hi, I'm bird girl. I'm fat. I love my fat. I love my fat in rope. And I'm here to embrace that. And it was amazing because I was, I was the biggest person in the room, you know, but I connected with so many people that night. I, I was tied by a wonderful friend um, who lives in Oklahoma city. And it was the first time I had been tied in almost a year because I had just stepped away. Mm -hmm. I had some chronic illness stuff going on and it was amazing. It was a simple tie, you know, it wasn't anything strenuous, but I just remember he, he took me down. It was a suspension. Um, and I just kind of cried for a minute because I remembered mm -hmm. I can do this. And it was just really amazing. And that's one of the things I love about, you know, being able to connect with people in different parts of the country. I love the Kansas City community, but, you know, it's there's a lot more bottoms in Kansas City than there are tops. Um, it's, ah, I think it's a, you know, a general issue, but especially in Kansas City. So I don't get tied as often as I'd like to. and so. Making those bigger connections have been great, and Narex was was just wonderful. Anyone's interested, I recommend looking into it. That's the one I was going to go to in LA. They got canceled, but it's just really great, and it, it's all about innovation and different ways. And I actually ended up leading a discussion about diversity and bodies and rope, which I never thought I'd do. Um, and they just, I love it. Given opportunity, you know, there were really deep conversations about consent, about how we handle consent violators and diversity, you know, racially, um, you know, it's, it's still an issue. Mm -hmm. I want to ask about that, about the consent thing. Um, I know a discussion that I've had with my, one of my current partners is there are definitely things that I have avoided because I worry about consent. I worry about boundaries being crossed and, and I, I mean, it's not like I don't think I'll really pick somebody to have a private, you know, play session with that would cross boundaries. But there's, I don't know whether it's being a woman, um, what it is, but there's definitely that fear in me about a consent violation. So what, what was some of the conversation about that like? Cause I mean, you have to think about that if you're tied up, you're tied up. It's hard. Um, you know? I, 
don't do a lot of rope play in private because it is a risk. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, that's why I love nine because I can go and I can do rope and I know that there's people there that will protect me. Um, safe words are so important. I also just, you know, you always have to have, especially with rope, sometimes people forget it's dangerous. Um, you know, it's dangerous. There's nerve issues. There's all sorts of things that can go wrong. And, you know, number one, before I start tying or let anyone tie me, I make sure they have safety shears, you know, just making sure that safety is in place. And, you know, um, everybody has this big goal of doing suspension and getting up in the air. And it's just so hard and it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I think floor work has been really um, neglected. You know, there's so much that can still be done as far as connection with floor work. And it's safer. You know, it's a good way to start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But as far as those conversations, you know, it's a question of, you know, did, did, what was their intention? Did they intend to violate consent? You know, I've had issues with a friend who, who went too far and, you know, you question, did I say specifically, no, did I tell them I didn't want to do this part of it? Um, and you just have to, you know, it's hard. You, do you take the, everyone's doing the best with the best they can stance or, Mm -hmm. Is it cancel culture? Is it one strike and you're out? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, we had people from all over the country in that room and they couldn't, you know, we couldn't answer it. We couldn't solve it right there. I don't know that there is an answer Mm -hmm. that's a blanket statement for every situation out there. I I think it it is on a case by case basis. Uh, You know, and that is also why I tried to talk to clients, male and female, about the emphatic yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that an uh-huh or an okay or sure, you know, those aren't exactly an emphatic yes. Um, same with maybe, um, you know, that's your time to sort of check in with your partner and go, hey, you know, everything good? Uh, you know, is there anything holding you back? What do you need in this moment? What what would make it more of a yes for you? Stuff like that. I think that's, really, um, that's your check-in point. Yeah, I think that's really important. And if you're just starting out in King, I say make a, you know, I have a clear hard limits list, a soft limits list. Mm -hmm. Um, And -hmm. like, if I'm playing with someone, it's very much a inclusive, like this is what you can do, not necessarily this is what you can't do. Um, Mm -hmm. And starting out Mm -hmm. like that, you know, makes it clear what is okay. Um, Yeah. You know, I've heard, you know, sometimes someone will get out some impact toys and say, you know, pick one you don't want used and you forget, you know, the bag, you know? So that's why you have to like, really be careful and make sure you're inclusive with what you want to happen and not necessarily the other way. Yes. Yes. I, my first time before I played, uh, we, we met just out for coffee and, and talked about stuff, what I was okay with and what I wasn't. And it was more about what I was okay with and what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we actually got to nine and he got his bag out, we went through everything and put him into the yes, maybe, and if it was a no, it went back in the back. That's great. Yeah. Um, I, I had injured my back. I hurt my tailbone a couple of years ago. So he was not going to do any heavy impact play with like the bigger thuddier paddles and stuff like that. We did more of like the, the whips and foggers and um, stuff like that. So I also felt comfortable because I was in that public ish setting of nine, but I also was with someone I had known for a very long time, like since I was 15. Yeah, that's really um, important too. Um, and just, you know, and, and one thing, and that's why I talk about lists and like having conversations mm-hmm. before you're in that moment. 
um, getting mm-hmm. to know someone, making sure they'll trust that. But, you know, you talked about an injury. That's also super important in rope. Um, you have to know like where your nerves are. There's a wonderful class that was at nine recently about nerves. And I actually was the bottom for the class and she kind of felt around on my arm and found exactly where, you know, the nerves are you have to watch out for. And it's just, mm-hmm. um, those are things that make rope extra dangerous because with any sort of injury, it can just get, you know, worse based on where you place things. Mm-hmm. That's so important that they're teaching people how to do things the right way so they can enjoy their kink and, and be safe and not, not get injured um, and keep coming back for more. Yeah. All right, I want to take a quick break, and uh, we'll, we'll pick up where we left off here shortly. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. All right, back from our break now. So something that people who aren't into kink, you know, really, when you're on the outside looking in, you you you're just seeing the actions. Sometimes you're not seeing the, the behind the curtain stuff, the, the, the benefits that people end up having uh, from participating in kink BDSM. Um, when I went to see Dan Savage's Hump Fest, uh, are you familiar with that? I am. I didn't go, but I wanted to. <clears throat> ah, it was my first time getting to go. I took a friend of mine. And so Hump Fest is just these five minute long, short erotic films. And they take submissions from amateur filmmakers all over the world. And then he puts them together and the, the film fest travels the country at small theaters. And so one of the films was talking about the therapeutic powers, the therapeutic release that could be experienced from playing out a scene. I haven't really talked about that much on my show before. Um, so... I'm just curious what's been your perspective. What have you experienced as far as some of those benefits? Um, you have found the perfect person to talk to about this because I am a mental health nerd on top of a kink nerd. Um, Yay! I, um, that is one reason I just can't get away from it. You know, I take breaks from the community, but I just miss it because of that aspect. There's you know, actually recently, I guess it was in the fall, there was a whole workshop in town about mental health and kink. And it's so important. And it varies, you know, and that's another thing I love is different types of play, different partners can give you different experiences. So for me, sometimes when I'm in rope, it's very meditative. Sometimes it's listening to the sound of the end of the rope hitting the floor. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. focusing on the feeling of the jute or the hemp, or whatever kind of rope is on my body. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's about challenging myself. Sometimes it really hurts, and I have to breathe through it as a Mm -hmm. mindfulness activity. And that's a thing that I just love, is just having those conversations about what it feels like as a bottom. You know, It's not just a thing that's being done to you. It's a thing you're part of. Um, And Mm -hmm. I just... I adore the mental health aspect of it. I adore the connection of it Um, and just focusing on different, you know, aspects of, of where a hand is on your body and where you feel connection and, and sometimes the use of not connecting. Um, There's times that you just want to be tied to make everything be quiet, you know? Um, 
that idea of taking away power when the world is too loud is very big for me. Um, I'm very much an overthinker. And so just having something to quiet my mind is a big draw for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What you're talking about there is a uh, technique I talk about with clients like sensate focus, where you are quieting your mind and releasing thoughts by focusing on what is going on, what you're experiencing through one of your five senses. And with that, what you're, you're doing is forcing your, your mind to just quiet, like you say, and focus on the touch, the, you know, what is your body going through in that moment? Um, that mindfulness is something that I think is incredibly powerful for whether you're into kink or not. It is so powerful to bring into your playtime. Yes, definitely. Um, I, I have to learn that with new partners, you know, because I get very in my head and I'm trying to orchestrate or trying to guess their next move instead of just being in the moment. Um, and that comes in all sorts of play, whether it's just, you know, a, a sexual encounter or whether it's impact play, um, needles, things like that, just breathing into the moment, taking time to feel is so big because I think we get so busy in our days that we just don't feel. And I think for mm -hmm. a lot of people that are in kink, it's a way to feel, um, which is really important. You know, I think some people may, may not get that, but it's a way to release parts of you that you don't always get to. Mm -hmm. Something too, I want to ask about is, there's a difference between participating in, in a scene or in, in playtime and having sex. Like those two things can, you know, be tied together, but they can also be very separate. Um, this, you know, playtime can result in sexual gratification, but it doesn't have to be about intercourse uh, or have intercourse after it. So I'm just kind of curious, where do you sort of fall with what you're getting sexually out of your rope playtime? Does it then lead to sex play or is it more just focused on the rope playtime? Um, almost all of my rope partners, I'm trying to think, I think there's only been one, but almost all of them have been non-sexual. I've stayed clothed. Mm -hmm. There's been no contact below the belt. Right now I have one sexual partner and he's not into rope, you know, he's, you know, fairly mm -hmm. vanilla and that's a different relationship. And I think that's what a lot of people also don't quite get is these things don't have to overlap. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. It's yes. a different sort of experience. You know, you might like dessert, but you like different kinds of desserts, you know, it brings you a different <laughs> satisfaction. Um, and that's, you know, it's also easier sometimes for me to feel safer with a rope partner when there's not sexual contact involved, it just mm -hmm. as a matter of what someone's comfortable with. But you know, a rope scene is, is so personal still on that same level. It doesn't discount it just because I leave my shirt on, you know, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. still up close. It's still bodies interacting. And at the end of it, it does feel different. You know, it's not, it's not the same, but it's a similar endorphin rush. You still get that little bit of peak. I think Maybe in rope, it is even trickier because without that, you know, you don't necessarily have a climax per se. You have a moment of mm -hmm. most endorphin rush. And I think that's also why aftercare is so important when you're playing with someone. Um, 
kind of mm-hmm. come down, decompress, let those emotions kind of come back down and also checking in after, you know, it's different when you're, you know, having sex with an intimate partner versus when you're playing with someone like my friend who lives out of state, you know, for him to text and check in is super important because I'm not seeing him every day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Aftercare is incredibly important when you've participated in a scene for sure. No matter what your, your taste is, it's, and, and everyone's needs for aftercare is different. Um, yeah. And that, that's something I kind of had to explore on my own of like, what do I need after this? this yeah. Happens? And it, it also varies um, by, you know, who you're playing with, what, you know, what kind of play mm-hmm. you're doing. Um, there's times where I just want to be alone. There's times where I need someone to hold me for an hour and let me cry. You know, it varies. And I think it's also important to remember that tops need aftercare too. Um, a lot of times, yes. you know, those tops are going into a space that, that the outside world doesn't understand. And they need to decompress from that also. Um, I think that gets forgotten a lot. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Because they think it's just, I think other people's perception who aren't into the into the scene is that, oh, it's just, that's just what they do. They're just the dominant person. And just, oh, there still can be, what, the reason aftercare is important is because there can oftentimes be some feelings of shame or guilt or now, why did I do that? Why did I let someone do that to me? Why did I do that to somebody? Um, even if it's just momentary, there's, I think a lot of times it's that outside messaging of what society has told us is okay. Uh, those things just kind of start creeping in. Those little voices <laughs> get to us sometimes. Um, but the aftercare can really help eliminate some of those, those feelings, the, the ups and the downs that more the downs, I guess, um, that people can experience after they, they play together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. My, my friend doc was very diligent about checking in with me after our, our first scene together. I, I was, I was good. I think we didn't have sex either. That's something that I've had to clarify with people. And I've told them about that, that it was just me being a sub, you know, taking the beating in a, in a good way. I enjoyed it, you know, um, that's really interesting. but it wasn't about us having sex afterwards. It's really interesting because so, I mean, most of my rope is non-sexual. You know, I've got, there's a picture on my Instagram right now that I'm fully clothed, but I'm still, you know, I'm not very out. I'm not open. You know, my family doesn't know, but it's interesting because it's just rope. I mean, it's interesting. I have thought sometimes mm-hmm. like, what's the difference between what I'm doing and someone doing like aerial silks? It's, it's just, physical, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's interesting the things that are considered too taboo. Um, and you look at, you know, the way that mainstream views kink, like Two Shades of Grey and um, and the things that are seen that are deemed OK and the things that aren't. It's it's just really fascinating sometimes. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if there's people who. OK, so because you, just, you touched base on Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, that could be part of the reason why people think there is always such a sexual element to it. Because in that particular instance, there was, you know, that's the, pe- that's the example that brought a lot of people into understanding more about kink and BDSM. I haven't seen As, it, but yes. I am mean, not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I, I, okay. I, I'll tell you this. I started to read the first book and I think I made it halfway through and I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. It's just so elementary as far as like the grammar and the syntax. It felt like it was on the reading skills level of like a middle school book. Yet adult content. Yeah. 
I don't like I that. Do I wanted something that had a little bit more depth. <laughs> so the day after I went to my first play party at nine was Mother's Day. And I went home to visit my mom and I'm from a small town. So we go to Walmart because that's what you do. And I and we were uh-huh. in line to check out. And she's like, oh, the Fifty Shades of Grey movie is out. I have to buy it. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, mom, you and your porn. Like hiding the fact that the night before I had been in a dungeon party for the first time. Uh, um, That's that's my main experience with Fifty Shades of Grey. My mom loving it and me resisting any sort of conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. I I did go see the movie in the theater. It came out like around Valentine's Day in Mm -hmm. the theater. Uh, I had a difficult time enjoying it because there were... There were two couples sitting next to us who, I mean, in retrospect, I know now they were swingers, (laughs) Um, but like they got up in the middle of the movie and swapped and there was definitely hand jobs under coats going on at Alamo Draft House. I'm just saying. So we were more paying attention to the shenanigans going on next to us. We weren't judging. We were just like, holy shit, this is really happening. This is really happening next to us. Oh my God. Never seen this in person. It was more like that. No judgment whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I have those moments built in the but yeah, I didn't really. Like, Is that happening? That's happening. Okay, I'm gonna go get a cookie now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to go back to nine when when everything opens up because I just I do enjoy, like, see, just that I'm a voyeur. Mm-hmm. I love just sitting back and watching people and like, oh, that's fun. That's interesting. What's going on here? Yeah, and that's. I mean, I just love uh, that that there's an opportunity to do that. You know, like. There's not just, you know, sometimes there's nights, you know, when Narix was in town, it was all rope. And, you know, there was a, the beginning of March, um, there was a workshop and it was all rope. But you can sit there and you can see so many different things. I remember there was a night that there was rope happening, there was a flogging, and then across the room, someone was being wrapped in saran wrap and tortured. And like, yeah. it just is with such uh. a variety and it's so interesting to see what gets people to that mindset, um, that, that place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a scene I want to go play out with one of my partners right now, which is like, like wrestling. I want to just go and wrestle and be really rough and aggressive and then go home and yeah, rip his clothes off. <laughs> that I do want to have like, yeah, I want to do primal play, like heavy primal play, but with the safety of like mats and, you know, stuff like that. I don't want to like fuck yeah. up my apartment or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just, again, the opportunity is there to just go and have fun and explore. And that's what I love about it. So when this is all over, what, I mean, you, you already have partners that you play with consistently. So um, are you kind of just like chomping at the bit to Get back out there. Are you going to be looking for some new partners? What do you think you're going to do yeah, after the um, quarantine? So I'm over? looking for a rope top. Um, shout out to the world if anyone's interested. Um, <laughs> I've just turned your podcast into. A, I'll have her uh, social yeah. media. Yeah, I'll have her social media stuff on um, my page. So because I, you know, like I said, there's kind of a a ratio difference between tops and bottoms. Um, I actually really like working with new tops because it is that meditative. You know, like it takes them a little longer to do things. So I kind of get to sit in a tie a little longer. Um, and I just like, mm-hmm. I like people learning, you know, that's, I love having conversations of 
with new people. I love helping them learn the community, figure out what they're into. Um, and so, yeah, I'm ready to just connect with people on that level again. Um, that's part of why I wanted to do this was to like put out there, Hey, we're here. Um, you know, the community's here. We would love to talk. Um, I love talking about all things rope. I love talking about bigger bodies in rope. I love talking about chronic pain and disability and kink. Um, and I'm just ready for those connections again. It doesn't even have to be, you know, like a top bottom. I love meeting new submissives um, and helping them find their way as well. Sounds like we could have a whole other episode about kink and chronic illness and disability. Yes. Um, I, you know, part of why I stepped away from the community was because I had a, an ongoing chronic illness that was undiagnosed and, and coming back from it and relearning my body has been a really big part of why I'm so passionate right now. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. So bar girl, tell my listeners how they can find you. Um, I am on Instagram as KC bird girl. Um, I have a private account, but feel free to message me some of your follow requests. Um, if you seem cool, then I'll accept it. Um, I'm on FetLife as Bird Girl. I actually, I'll, I'll reactivate my account just so people can find me because I'd love to connect. Um, and I'm going to work on a Twitter too. So maybe by the time this is up, I'll have a link for Twitter as well. <laughs> and I'm sure it'll be, uh, you know, keep that brand consistent, Casey yep. Bird Girl. So I will definitely have link uh, a link at least to your Instagram. And if you get your Twitter up and running, I'll add that in the show notes as well. And of course, I'll also have the information for Nine's GoFundMe in the show notes as well. So, Bird Girl, this has been such a fun conversation. Is there anything else that you want to really cover before I let you go? Just, just don't be afraid to figure out what you like. Um, it's been such a big part of my life, um, just figuring out what I'm into so I can figure out who I am. So, you know, if you're interested, just, just, Take a risk. It's worth it. Absolutely. I love that. I just realized I usually do that tarot reading at the end of okay. my shows, and I left my tarot deck over on okay. another table. So I'm just <laughs> put my headphones down for a second. Go grab those. One, one moment. Okay. So shuffle these for you real quick. So while I'm doing it, this has been a great conversation. Okay, for good. Real. I was worried. I was like, I'm all really over has. the place. But I just love talking about it. No, it's been great. Which is funny because I Absolutely. feel like I just when people meet me in the world, they probably assume I'm very very vanilla, and I just I'm not. <laughs> people thought I was vanilla until I started being a sex coach, and they're like, "Oh, you are kinky." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm always yeah, getting I, kinky." I have no, I'm getting more and more kinky. Like being a kink consultant for theater and movies, you can. Like, I would love to figure out a way to do that. Absolutely, you can. So, I mean, being a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist, you know, having that definitely helps open yeah. some doors. Um, but my program was phenomenal. I loved my program because it taught us about not just sexology, but about being a great coach and a business person. Um, and Dr. Patty Britton is my okay. professor that I studied under um, with Sex Coach U. She actually, it's funny, my, the guy I'm seeing, he, he came over last week and, um, I was in my office finishing up editing a podcast 
and he kind of was looking at my bookshelf and I've got my vulva puppet and uh, my books and my 3D clitoris and then my DVDs. And he's like, oh, I remember seeing these sometimes at like Cirilla's and, and stores like that. And he flips over. He's like, oh, Dr. Patty. He's like, yeah, that's my professor. That's where I learned everything from. He's like, damn, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're interested in, you know, something like that, my program was fantastic. Really cool. So, all right, well, I'm drawing your, uh, top card here right. for you. So, all right, actually I kind of like, let me see that. All right. I'm going to do your tarot reading here. So we've already shuffled and I've got your top card drawn here for you. All right, Burgle, you got the King of Air. So let's see here. Well, the air suit corresponds to the suit of swords, which is about the sense of smell and the sphere of dialectics in the mind. Air governs intelligence and what is rational. It also controls the game of seduction and courtship. Now, the king specifically um, is about the, the father energy and power, charisma, order, decision, responsibility, supervision. Um, it's about Aquarius, which also brings in agitation and patience and determination sometimes. Now, you mentioned wanting a rope top. You're needing that sort of dominant figure that will bring you some order and they'll be responsible. Ooh, oh my gosh, sounds pretty spot on. Dang, it's so odd to me how these <laughs> cards line up for my guests sometimes. Uh, I got to describe this card here for you too. So it's, um, he's sort of a, uh, like, gosh, I don't know how it warrior nymph, I suppose is the way I can describe it. He has like a mohawk, um, like war paint on his face, but he's also in like a field of flowers and it, he has a spear over his shoulder and it's like, he's piercing this large egg. Like he's cracked an egg open cracked, on the ground. The bird's egg. Yeah, it's Cracking, like, yes. It, yeah, oh my gosh. My tough exterior. I will take a picture of this and send it to you because, <laughs> yes. And he's, he's standing over, he's like kneeled over the egg with this very mischievous smile. Uh-huh. I think he's just wearing a loincloth, looks like. So, yeah. Actually, there's literally rope uh, over his head. It's a strand of rope. <laughs> oh my gosh. Perfect. So, hey, put that energy out there. You just did. You're looking for your your top, and the universe will bring it to That's you. That's awesome. So, there you go. Well, Bird Girl, this has been such a wonderful conversation. We talked about some, some very intense aspects of kink and rope play that I think a lot of people will not only have found educational, but hopefully inspiring to to a uh, let give them permission to get out there and explore as well. I hope so. I think it will be. We'll definitely have some some listeners come back and be like, "Oh my god, I love this episode." So, all right. Again, if you want to get a hold of Bird Girl, find her on Instagram, Casey Bird Girl, or check my show notes for her info. So, all right, Bird Girl, thank you so thank you. so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And check the show notes for stuff we discussed in the episode. 
You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my not safe for work email list called the Dirty Bird if you want more content about sex and relationships. You can support said content, like my work with this podcast and other forms of media, by visiting listener support with Anchor FM or visit patreon.com to become one of my patrons. Again, check the show notes. I have links for you there. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.